And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. You'll be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do the little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond, and the presenting sponsor for today's episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast, which is Visa, a network working for everyone. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. You're back from Indianapolis. You made the big trip. I am a big ball of crust, but I made it. (laughs) (laughs) The joys of air travel, uh, always. Want to hear more about that? Want to hear about this big Rams win over the Colts? Want to talk a little bit about expectations and the way things are are viewed after a win? Uh, But Jordan, let's talk about Daryl Henderson, because um, if only because... I'm getting people on Twitter who don't even follow me, who are fantasy football owners, who are messaging and Ah, saying, Ah, they found you. What's going on with Daryl Henderson? (laughs) So, Jordan, what's going on with Daryl Henderson? Yeah, so um, if you watched Sunday's game, uh, 27-24 Rams narrow victory over the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Um, Daryl Henderson left the game in the second half with a ribs injury. And we found today from um, Sean McVay, who spoke with the media, um, today is Monday, and it is about 5 p.m. when we're recording this. And he speaks to media usually around 4, the day after the game. We found that Daryl has a rib cartilage injury. I don't know what the magnitude of it is. Um, Cam Akers, obviously, this injury is familiar, painfully familiar to Rams fans because Cam Akers suffered a similar, actually the same injury last season, although his was substantial enough to where he was almost certainly ruled out for a couple of weeks by McVeigh. In this case, Daryl was not completely ruled out uh, for Sunday's game against Tampa Bay. Um, I'm a bit skeptical of that. I think this injury sounds painful as crap, and I certainly did not mince words about that uh, last year either, particularly the nature of having literally the cartilage between your ribs sort of squeaked apart by either a ball or a cleat or uh, happened after contact. So we just don't know. Just hope Daryl's doing okay. Um, But, you know, I'm not currently as optimistic as Sean sounded about Daryl playing this weekend. It is going to be a pain situation. Um, McVay made it really clear that if Daryl is not feeling pain, um, and again, I don't know what the magnitude of it. I, I don't know if you can grade rib cartilage injuries as like a grade one or a grade two. Um, I just know that it's a different. It was a different tone this time than it was last time with Cam. So um, we'll, we'll just see. He's not going to practice this week, and if he's feeling like somewhat pain free on Friday or Saturday, they're going to sort of make the decision then. Part of that, I think, is a little bit of gamesmanship because the Rams are pretty thin at running back. But um, yeah, and and obviously, it really if you know 
if you don't play Daryl, your scheme, your run scheme is pretty much you pretty much know what it's going to be um, with some of that north to south sh- uh, stuff with Sony Michelle. So that, that to me kind of is where we're at with Daryl right now. Um, really painful injury in my opinion. Um, so hopefully he's doing okay. But yeah, th- that was that was the uh, that was the running back update so far. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to tell what happened there, Jordan. It was the first play of the of the fourth quarter. It looked to me, and I am neither a team employee nor a medical professional, uh, <laughs> but it it looked to me that like he might have fallen on the ball, and ju- just the way that he was tackled, it it didn't look like like he got a helmet in the ribs or a knee in the ribs or anything like that. It, as I recall, there he kind of got brought to the g- ground by two guys, but it it didn't look like either one of them really. Um, caused any damage to kind of his midsection area, but he did kind of fall with the ball underneath him. So I'm I'm wondering if that might have um, been it. And like that that doesn't really matter. It's not like we can we can diagnose anything based on the fact. Oh, he fell on the ball, so that means he's going to be out for two weeks. Yeah, and that's a great point, Rich. But you Cam know, Akers. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you 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 were already going to make that point. We can figure out maybe the magnitude of it, and you were going to make that point. So I'll just uh, I'll just shut. No, up. I actually wasn't. You were going to make it. And- <laughs> and uh, then you did. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, maybe we can. I, I don't know. As I remember, didn't didn't Cam fall like on the point of the ball yes. somehow? Yeah. Like that sounded horrible. That sounded like it, it, this did, didn't look like that to me. But I, I don't know. Who who knows what's what's going to go down there? But uh, yeah, Jordan, I, I saw, you know, Sean McVay used we use words like hope and optimism, which is you know kind of what I feel when I look at my my bank statement every 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 month. It doesn't seem to do any good to wow, have hope. Wow, that and, makes and one optimism. of us rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't do any good. I can have all the hope and optimism that I want. That maybe you know, like oh yeah, maybe there'll be an extra five thousand dollars in there somewhere. But there never is, strangely enough. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough go. Um, Jordan, you, you never know. I mean, maybe maybe it's very minor. Maybe he feels like he can go. But um, I, I guess you have to be encouraged, right, by Sony Michelle. I mean, he, he comes in basically cold uh, and runs 10 times for, for 46 yards. And this was not a certainly not a blowout situation. I mean, he was in there for some really important uh, tough carries. I thought he ran the ball well. Uh, north south uh, showed you know confidence in in the way he was running so i don't know it's it's 10 carries against a you know team that that wasn't a superior team uh, but i i think uh, i think you'll take that if you're the rams right yeah and and one of those drives was so important because that helped sort of set up the the game winning kick and it was a prolific one of the many Matthew Stafford game winning drives right it was his 39th and and I think that it was important to have Sony in there because um from what it sounds like just the the sort of calmness that he and Staff and Matthew Stafford who kind of always brings a calmness to the huddle but after a sort of an adverse situation and losing your lead back having Sony come in and, and just be very calm and confident and, and sort of give his teammates a smile and get him fired up a little bit from what Robert Woods was saying um, to us earlier today. It seemed like it really, they really appreciated it and they appreciated how he sort of commanded the situation. And some of those drives or excuse me, some of those carries that he had, they were important. They kept the Rams well ahead of the sticks. And on a drive like that, you absolutely have to be able to establish that on the ground. And particularly the, the Rams were also like somewhat working the clock in that scenario as well. Um, so right. I, I think that that those things were so important. Um, 
you know, on on the other hand, I, I think that it also is sort of a tell if you um, don't if, – if you immediately rule Daryl out right now, which kind of is the way that I personally would lean. Again, I don't know exactly how severe of a cartilage damage it is. To me, that's pain, though. That sounds so painful. So, But I think if you immediately rule him out, you're basically saying we're running north to south all day long. Mm-hmm. So I think that you want to make sure that even if it's by sheer force of imagination or projection, you keep a little bit of uh, of depth to your run game in that regard. And the Rams, man, they've had bad luck at running back. Oh, my God. So much right. promising talent on this roster. Cam Akers, Xavier Jones, Raymond Calais on special teams. And these guys just can't catch a break, and I really got a feel for them. So, um, you know, you, you never want to see that to happen to anybody, but it's just happened, you know, last two months, three months with the Rams. It's just been one after another. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about Daryl Henderson, and uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, he has a history of, of injuries. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, none of them have been significant to where – uh, you're keeping him out week after week, but he picks up a lot of these things. And I, I don't mean that as a personal criticism. I really don't. But uh, that's kind of what caused me some concern at the start of the season after uh, Cam Akers goes down. I mean, I, I think there's kind of a reason why you looked to Daryl Henderson as kind of that complimentary back. And it's what the Rams had in mind when they drafted him. Uh, it's what they had in mind, you know, even last year or the year before. Uh, and and I, I'm not saying he can never be an RB1, so I, I wouldn't want those words put in my mouth. I just don't know whether at this point you can rely on that. It was hard for me to, at this end of training camp to look at that and say, yeah, I feel confident that Daryl Henderson is going to make it through 17 games as the RB1 or even 16 or even 15, if we're being honest. Um, So I kind of felt like there was a little bit of a thin ice situation there. And so I guess if you're the Rams, you you have to feel pretty good about Sonny Michel coming in. I mean, this is a guy, like you said, Jordan, he's, he's a veteran. He's played in a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl. He beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. So he's been in, certainly been in, in big game situations before. Uh, didn't really think he was going to come in and fumble on his first carry or that he was going to, you know, not be able to pick up a block or something like that. Like, I think that was a good, it was a good pickup uh, to, to bring in somebody like that and shows why it made a lot more sense than maybe signing an Adrian Peterson or a Frank Gore or somebody like that. Sony Michelle's a guy who, if you do need him for two weeks or three weeks or whatever it may be, like, he can carry the load for you. Um, so that's why I think that that was a good signing. And I'm just curious, you know, what it, uh, I, for Daryl's sake, I, I hope he comes back soon. I don't, don't want to see anybody out, but uh, frankly, I'd be a little bit curious to see what happens uh, if Sony Michelle is is given a little bit more rope, given a little bit more, a few more carries, and, and maybe how that might impact the long-term uh, partnership with the two of them. So, you don't. You, if you're the Rams, obviously you you want to have the the situation that sets yourself up the right way. But from a from an observer standpoint, I gotta say I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed to see a little bit more Sony Michelle. Yeah, I, I just like his style. Um, I think it. But it, like you said, you I think you do. If you're running Sean McVay's system, you do want to have those complementary abilities in there. So um, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Daryl. The thing was that I think is so disappointing is like he looked so in command and he was just doing a great job in pass pro. You know, there were a couple of, of situations where 
there was maybe a miscommunication on a handoff or something like that happened twice, similar plays. And that was really the only area I could really knock the guy, honestly. And I wouldn't even maybe do it then because it's week two, week one, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's getting their feet under him. So I think that he has just showed such um, a command of the position in, in all facets, not just running the ball, but you know, working as a pass catcher and then also what he was doing in pass protection, some of the blitz pickups that he was able to execute. Um, you know, it was really impressive. It, and, uh, you know, hopefully for the Rams' sake that he doesn't miss a ton of time, like I'm kind of – I kind of am leaning in the camp where it's like, why don't you give him a week, you know? Um, but right. it's hard It's hard to also do that because, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know where he's at in terms of the injury. We only have hope and optimism um, streaming yes. from from Sean McVay. So yes. it's kind of like, all right, well, if, if we're going to take that for what it is, but then in, insert maybe a little dose of, of um, real world, like this injury is – it hurts when this happens to you. Um, and it, you are also carrying the ball tucked into your body – um, and being hit on on every rushing play, and then you're asked to do blitz pickup, which is you're moving your arms and your torso into physical contact with um, an object moving at a great speed and force. You know, like you, you, that that hurts. That creates shock into your body, and it, it hurts. So for me, it's like, all right, you know, if we're gonna be realistic about it, like maybe I don't know, maybe give him a week. You know, the Rams have Sony and Jake Funk, um, but. You know, I've seen I see a lot of similarities in the run style of Jake Funk, who I think turned mm. into it through camp, maybe a little bit more of the north to south style of guy. Um, and also in Sony Michelle. So the complementary parts, I think, is where they I don't know. Maybe we'll see more sweeps. We'll see. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't maybe get we'll, enough. It's, yeah, yeah it's, if you can't get complimentary run game, just run jet sweeps all day. You know, that's what could sure. go wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I especially mean, do it on third down. I think. Yeah, I mean, when Sony Michelle picks up ten yards, then five yards, then eleven yards, <laughs> then six yards, then two yards, and you only need two yards on third down, why wouldn't you run a jet sweep? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, I, I like that Sean McVay uh, owned. That I know. I like that he. Yeah, it. he was like, I hated that call. I was like, Yeah. yeah. And look, real Respect. easy for me to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, you've got, I mean, what do you get, you know, 20 seconds or whatever to, to get that play in, and uh, I'm sure it made sense in the moment, <laughs> um, but, you know, not 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 really, if we're being honest about it, so, and yeah, the other thing, Jordan, is like, like I agree, but the schedule here just doesn't work out in the Rams' favor, I mean, not that there's any easy teams, but you talk about, you know, you'd love to give Daryl a week off. Well, you got Tampa Bay coming in. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the biggest games of your season. I mean, you, you look down the line, you know, maybe if it was, uh, you know, Houston or uh, New York Giants or somebody you're like, ah, okay, yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can get away with, with keeping Daryl on the sideline a little bit, but this is a big game and mm-hmm. one that could have, you know, implications down the line. You, you don't know, uh, hopefully you assume both of these teams are going to be in the playoff uh, scenario and could make a difference. Tiebreaker could make a difference at some point. So anyway, we'll, we can talk more about that at the at the end of the podcast. We'll talk about uh, everybody's everybody's favorite player, Tom Brady, and uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town on. Has Sunday. anyone created the joke? Why don't they call it Tampa Bay? Ah, <laughs> no, I'm sure I'm the first that. person on the planet to make that joke. Right? Yeah. I, I I think so personally. 
Right. Right. Or, right. Or Champa Bay. It's that's all that hope and optimism in my voice, you know. Yeah, it's all yeah. that's all we're about here on Eleven <laughs> Personnel is hope and optimism. Yes. So speaking of which, <laughs> all all the hope and optimism, uh, Jordan, we gotta we gotta do a deep dive here. And and by the way, you, I, I say we we need to. You've already done it, by the way. On, <laughs> On uh, the athletic app and website, if people haven't already uh, checked out your fantastic column that went live on Sunday night, you know it as the pile. Uh, Jordan, as always, breaks down every aspect of the Rams game just shortly after it happens. And of course, Jordan, a lot of this one was focused on the defense, uh, even though the Rams did win this game um, and the defense only allowed 17 points because of probably the weirdest punt play. Well, one of the weirdest punt plays I've ever seen where uh, a ball ricochets off of Nick Scott's hands and skitters into the end zone. Uh, But the defense only allowed 17 points. But big talking point is the defense. And Jordan, I I think we agree because we, we talk, text, Slack offline. We, we agree there's there's some issues here, but how how do you dissect this? Um, what what are the things that that fans should be legitimately concerned about, and what is is just kind of noise at, at this point from from your perspective? Well, I have many thoughts. Um, I will warn people who are listening. Uh, whenever I'm on a plane. I get extremely dry, plain voice. So, uh, and plain, you know, whatever happens inside your your throat when you're inhaling other people's CO two for yeah several hours. Lovely. Um, so, if my voice cracks, uh, we might cut out for a minute, grab some water, whatever. If my voice cracks. I'm so sorry. I know that's annoying to some people, um, myself included, when I do it. So, uh, apologies in advance. But I do have many thoughts about this. <clears throat> Here we go. Okay, so I think this defense can be very, very good. I think it is very, very good in so many phases. And it's also, there are areas of, I think, real concern that they're standing sort of with one foot on one side of the precipice and the other foot sort of hovering in the air looking for where its next step is. And that's my tortured metaphor of the week. Very nice. And I think like... Where they're at right now is figuring out what they are as it uh, as it as it relates to what they were last year and what they are going to be with containing elements of what they were. And I know that sounds confusing. And let me just reiterate, I've been on a plane. <laughs> so, so if it sounds confusing, um it, it it's because it is. That's it's a confusing process, and that's the thing. So this defense structurally, we know the core tenets of it. We've been talking about it for a year at this point, over and over and over again. The core tenets of it are coverage dictates front. It's built to stop the pass first and foremost in a passing league. You can beat this defense um, by being more patient than it, essentially. You can beat this defense by taking the short yards in front of you. You can beat this defense if you can run the ball effectively against them. By the way, um, 
very good job against the run by the Rams, specifically uh, with those Colts running backs this this week. What was it? 3.8 yards per carry, maybe less. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but it was under four. That's the sweet spot where you want to be to keep the defense ahead on the sticks and the offense behind. That part of the plan works. You can beat this defense if – First of all, they're making mistakes, and let's face it, they didn't make a lot of those down the stretch last year. This defense went, and I, I talked, I asked Sean McVay about this today. This defense went, after the Buffalo game, this defense went from kind of not really knowing what it was to having a really adverse game uh, against Buffalo in week three last year, and then really turning around into something that was going to dictate its terms to you and make you do things that you did not want to do on offense. And that sort of became the calling card of this Brandon Staley system and scheme. Um, The two high shells that rotated and made things really muddy for the quarterback, the way that that particular phase makes it really hard to execute good play action, which is the sort of quarterback's crutch and cheat code, the way that this defense, the safety's playing from depth and the corner's playing on overhangs, um, sort of builds a dome over the back of the defense so that you aren't going to get abused by play action, which again is a cheat code for quarterbacks and for offenses. Sean McVay uses it at very well, by the way, I might add. So those types of things, and, and particularly when married to the effectiveness in playing gap and a half with light boxes against the run, um, and when married to, you know, having linebackers that are better than they were last year in terms of being where they need to be um, and stepping in and, and taking care of their assignments where they need to be. In theory, playing the same scheme, even with the the you know, people that they lost and everything. It's still a extremely smart scheme to play, but it's hard. It's hard to do. It's really, it's a really tough thing to do. And I think um, where they are really feeling it is, again, Raheem Morris, who I think is a phenomenal coach, who I think will get these guys to where they need to be. I do believe that based on listening to him talk, how he engages with these guys, how he talks to these guys. But he's also got one foot still, you know, back in his entire 20 year history of coaching, which is all of these things that the defense, there's some elements of it, but it's still not what it is truly. Right. And then there's these young guys who are stepping into new roles and, and being asked to do things um, that they maybe weren't asked to do as much of last year. David Long, um, you know, I think Jordan Fuller is still just outstanding but in a new role he's being asked to do things he he wasn't having to do right. um even Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey's going to be excellent no matter where you put him Darius Williams is now being asked to play in the star a little bit as well so the Rams ultimately I believe the Rams will be rotating Terrell Burgess in into their sub packages quite a bit particularly when they want to kick uh Jalen Ramsey back to the outside but for these first two games they've been rotating these three corners Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, and David Long, and a little Robert Rochelle sprinkled in there as well. They've been rotating these guys. On Jalen's interception, Darius Williams was in the star. So it's all these things that structurally are a little bit new. They've got elements of the old, but a little bit new. I think they're playing. It's great. I believe in playing with depth. But I think that there's a a line you need to find in the bending part of this sort of bend-don't-break Right. Which I don't, I don't like that saying either. Even if it's right. true, and right. I'm, I'm just going on, I'm flaring out on tangents here, and you just hang on for dear life, Rich, because we're, we're taking a journey here. 
Like, I don't like that saying. I don't like it. I don't like when coaches use it because to me, it still insinuates that you're allowing some somebody to do something to you. When you talk about what this system is supposed to do, it's supposed to, even within what it, you think you're allowed to do, it's still dictating it to you. It's giving you choices you don't want to make. Ben don't break is giving you choices you, you can live with to me. And that's what the Colts right. did all freaking day. They took the choice that they could live with. And then they capitalized off certain parts of it. Some of the crossers that gave the Rams trouble, I think, were an example of that. Um, an actual abuse of the defense by the play action for a 23-yard gain, which you never saw last year, right? right? right. They, they, presented, they were able to take the choices that were livable. They could live with themselves for taking them, whereas opposed to... what you saw time and time again, and you still see it in flat. You do still see it in flashes, but again, some of these long drives where the Rams could not get off the field, like could not force, you know, these third downs and then, you know, force punts and things like that. You see the offense, the Colts offense, which credit to them because I thought they had a good plan for what this defense does, particularly when you factor in Carson Wentz on the run, he's hard to take down. He's like tackling a fridge, rolling down a hill. Like you really, it's just not, not good, not fun for anybody. Um, you, when you factor that in as well, there, they started to become able to take the options that weren't necessarily, um, forced upon them by the defense. They were part of the presentation, but they were like, oh, you know, I, you know, my favorite hot sauce is available. I'm not taking the off brand kind today right. because that's all that's left on the shelf, right. In terms of the check down and the short chunk plays and all that stuff. No, no. Oh, it's way in the it's in the back. I got to get to it a little bit, but my favorite brand is there. I can reach it if I really try and everything works and falls into place and oh yeah, one of the corners or one of the safeties or or one of the linebackers um allows my receiver to get a couple extra yards on a on a catch and run that maybe they wouldn't in the past. So I think it's it's a lot of these things and hopefully I'm uh making a little bit of sense, but it's a lot of these things together at the same time that I think it's just they the, the edges are a little loose to me. And I don't mean the edges like the defensive ends, whatever. I mean, like, right, if we're looking right. at this, like, cerebrally, it's like uh, I watched a lot of Bake Show when the pandemic started. And when they're making these tarts, when you set it, when you, when they bake, and you mm-hmm. set it on the counter and you push it, it's not supposed to wiggle in the middle, right? That's what I mean by loose. You need to just tighten up that tart, man. Like, just tighten it up. <laughs> and, and I think... <laughs> and I think that you'll and I think they'll be okay. I, I do believe it's possible, but I think that philosophically, this is hard. This is hard to do. Structurally, it's hard to do. A lot of the players in this defense know how to execute it. You can see Raheem Morris offering them positions of empowerment within the meeting rooms. Jalen Ramsey, Kenny Young, um, you know, Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller, guys who speak this language have positions of empowerment because that's the way that you you know, bridge that gap between what it was and what it will be. And I think that it's there. The potential is there. I see it. And I think there are flashes um, from guys who really impressed and can help them get there. And I do believe that Raheem Morris is also going about it the right way in terms of how he is as a person approaching these players in terms of empowering them to them all to grow together instead of maybe him being like, okay, this gave me some concern. So we're only going to do it my way. But I don't like bending this much. I don't like the Rams being the last team in the NFL to force a third down. Right. Or to to uh, to force the third down stop. 
Right. Which, like, context provided, the Bears went for it every single time against them on fourth down, so that doesn't really count. And then they stopped it four times, so it doesn't really count. But in terms of getting that far down the field to where you your option, if you're the Rams defense, becomes we must make low probability, incredible, um, just mind-bending play at the goal line – that's our that's our other option because we've been pushed back here again and we're really really good in a compounded space by the way and you know we don't need to you know have the, our guys play super super deep because it's only you know the back of the end zone and then the wind the big the big glass windows of the shoe right, right. behind us and and these things you know they happen and, and it, it doesn't take away for me the smartness of what it is and the smartness and the potential in it and and i'm i'm definitely nitpicking and i'm definitely perhaps even being overly critical at this particular time in the season it being so early in the year when things haven't really expressed themselves yet but it's a combination of all of these things and i think um for me what is so crucial is the understanding of what's there and what's possible but also understanding sort of the the vastness of the steps needed to get there and I, I don't think anybody came into this year thinking this defense is going to be even better than it was last year because it just right. statistically rich like right that just doesn't happen. It's the regression happens when you have a number one defense, best defense in the league, playing the smartest system in the league. Like it happens, regression happens. But you know, it goes back to bend don't break. If you're looking at their their DVOA rankings or you're looking at their defensive statistics how okay with you are let how okay are you with letting that dip how how low do you want that to dip before you decide you need to make some changes in terms of the philosophy in terms of the structure and i think right. that's that's a big question right now is what what threads can you pull out in that regard and then what can you fix in that regard and right. i just rambled for a good uh what four minutes five minutes maybe longer, but, you know, hopefully that makes sense because it's, it's just a lot of things at one time, you know? Yeah, it, it is, yeah. And uh, first of all, I really hope that uh, tighten up the tart becomes a thing. I, I would, that would make me very happy. Sounds if, like uh, vaguely inappropriate. Now, like, when you say it like that, like, it sounds <laughs> like vaguely inappropriate, but we're not going there. I, this yeah, is, I, first of all, I have no idea what you're talking this about. This is a G-rated I, metaphor. Like, guys, yeah. don't don't even, don't take this anywhere other than a food metaphor. Like, this Yeah, is, I didn't even understand the food metaphor. Don't, don't take offense, but I, I've never baked a tart in my life. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I've never, I'm not sure if I've ever baked any, maybe cookies. I might have baked cookies. But um, but I understand. I think I understand what you're saying. Um, so it's um, gosh, it is so layered, Jordan, uh, because you look at it. And I mean, I, I said off the top, like, well, they only allowed 17 points. Well, if it wasn't for the utter grease fire that was the Colts offense in the red zone, uh, where they get stopped at the one yard line four times and then on the next drive, Still not sure what Carson Wentz was going for on that shovel pass that Troy Reader very smartly uh, stepped in front of. But there should have been at least 10 points there. If you uh, And again, you can, you can take it off the other end and say maybe the punt thing was a fluke. So, you know, however you want to work it out. Um, but if not for those first quarter uh, miscues, then this could have gone the other way very easily. Or at least could have been in a situation where the Rams were trying to come from behind uh, late in the game. 
Um, but anyway, it's. It, I also don't think there's panic just yet. And I think a lot of it is what you're uh, is very astute point in saying that I don't think anybody expected this defense to be better. And you can say, well, how can you be better than being the number one defense in the NFL? But there are things that you can always tighten up and improve on. And and this is a defense that lost Michael Brockers, that lost John Johnson, that lost Troy Hill. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple others off the top of my head. Um, and you're going to need a little bit of time. Those are big players on this team. Uh, and they certainly have the capability to replace those guys. And I think the guys that they have will be able to replace them. Uh, but there is a little bit of a, a, a transition there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think the thing that got me in this game, Jordan, and maybe it's just the contrast from the first week, because um, there was some criticism after the first week, too. But I remember how I painstakingly went through and said how most of Chicago's quote unquote big plays were actually little plays that just turned into bigger plays. Well, 
that wasn't necessarily the case this week. I mean, if you want to go through the same exercise that that I did uh, last week, I mean, in in this case, the Colts had, I, I forget what I said last week, I think the Bears only had three plays that were longer than 12 yards or something like that. And in this case, the sheet only lists three, four, five, six, seven, the sheet only lists 10, um, and the, the Colts had at least 10. Of, of plays that were, you know, longer than, than 12 yards. And you're looking at the big chunk ones, 42 yards, 34 yards, 23 yards. And these were not dink and dunks that turned into bigger plays. These were over the top of you or, you know, finding a seam and, and beating you. So that's the kind of thing that, that concerns me um, a little bit. I will say, to argue against myself, be my own devil's advocate, I think on a couple of those occasions, they were pretty close to a sack. I mean, credit Carson Wentz for, you know, being six foot five and pretty strong to where he was able to, you know, even though somebody got a paw on him, he was still able to, to kind of get out of it and keep his eyes down the field. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, that's that's not normal. He was able to, you know, still get the ball down the field. But I, I think that's the kind of thing uh, that concerns me. The, the other thing is just, uh, they were able to move the ball on first down pretty well because we're talking about some of these not even getting to third down or, or the ones that, that the Rams defense did get them to. They were very often uh, third and short situations and, and Indianapolis ends, ends up completing five of 11 uh, third downs, which is not, it's not terrible, but it's, it's, not, it's not great either. Um, so it, it, it's things like that to where, uh, again, I, I don't think it's anything structurally. I thought the run defense was fine. And, and again, this is uh, my, my weekly uh, fantasy football reference that you love so much, Jordan. But uh, <laughs> full disclosure, Jonathan Taylor is on my fantasy team. And uh, it, that, that was not a good game. It was not a good game for Jonathan Taylor uh, owners because there just wasn't a whole lot of room there. And, and whatever damage the, the Colts did do, it did not come on the ground, and it really wasn't even set up by anything on the ground in in most cases. So I don't know how much more you can expect in that sense, but just in cleaning some of that stuff up, like you can't have those big plays. You can't consistently, you know, you're always going to have one or whatever it may be, but it just seemed like, you know, Carson Wentz, if, if he had a little bit of time, if he was able to get past that first wave uh, of pressure, he was able to keep his eyes down the field and he was able to find a Michael Pittman, who is a great receiver, by the way, um, and uh, guys like Pascal, and it, it, he was able to, to, to move the ball down the field and, and find something. So, you know, hey, and now you got another wizard coming in and Tom Brady, who has a lot of weapons and certainly knows how to get the ball down the field. So I'm sure uh, Tampa Bay, as, <laughs> as the phrase that you coined, Jordan. Copyright. <laughs> yes, I'm sure will be pouring over that film uh, to, to see what they can uh, what they can accomplish. But yeah, again, you know, not I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be terrified if I were Rams fans right now. But certainly there's some things that if you, if you have Super Bowl aspirations, you, you it's it's fair to be a little concerned about. I think, too, like if you're Tom Brady and you're looking at what they let Carson Wentz do, Carson Wentz can move around, which is fine. But the thing that I think would concern me more if I'm the Rams looking at what Tom Brady is able to do, Tom Brady was seeing this defense for the first time last year. I think there are a couple of times where the, the two high rotations like really threw him off. Well, you know, now he 
he's seen this defense. He knows what to expect. So you don't really have that as much working for you anymore. And I think what he sees is, I think he sees again. That's why I hate the phrase bend, not break. Right. I, I get it. It's like the easiest way to describe. I think it describes Tampa too. I don't think it describes what the Rams do on defense or, or are supposed to do. And that's why I don't really like it because I think it, it just describes, it, it offers too much leeway in my opinion. And so I think like, he sees the bend part of that and he rubs his hands together. He's like, I will yeah. play that shit on you all day. I yeah. will dink and dunk down the field like Aaron Rodgers did. And then when you start getting when you start getting impatient, um, because I'm going to outlive everybody on my avocado diet, like if <laughs> when you start getting impatient, that's when I'm gonna torch you. When you start creeping downfield a little bit, that's when I'm gonna torch you. Right. Tom Brady, I can assure you, watch that game, that divisional round, and knows exactly what to try to do against this defense. And so they, to me, the things that are a little too loose around the edges is why I say, like, we got to, you know, in terms of the the tart metaphor, like, right. y- you can't have that jiggle on top <laughs> with the, of the custard. Like, you just can't. You have to make sure right. that you are dictating that you are, are um, Sean McVay put it out, he, he put it out there. He was like, um, choking someone out in, in terms of like what a defense is supposed to do. And I was like, yeah, but that's philosophically different than what you guys just like showed other than those those plays where they're, you know, making plays on the ball and things like that. Like it, it's this defense is supposed to present um, options from depth. And, and again, I, I just I know I just keep repeating it and reiterating it and all this stuff. It's supposed to present those things, but it pre- it's supposed to present them in a way where you're like, God dang it, I didn't want to do this, but now I have to. Right. Instead of being like, oh, look at the space in the middle of the field that just opened up just for me with a bow on it, my name on it. Like, it's just not supposed to be that way. So I think that that's where the concern is for me. Um, And then the other thing that you brought up, and I thought it was a great point, but it's like the points, minimizing the points scored, that is great. That's phenomenal. And I think at the end of the day, hundred years from now, when you look at all these box scores from Aeons and Eras past, you're gonna be like, oh wow, Rams defense, 17 points that game. That was pretty dang good. But really, what it is is you cannot build your house off of low probability situations. And we saw this last year with Jared Goff. You can't yeah. build a house off low probability situations. You can't do it on offense, you can't do it on defense. And on defense, Understanding that you have maybe one of the more badass goal line defenses in the league right now, and and certainly last year as well. Understanding that that's all well and good, but you don't. It's Troy Reader made a joke about it in the press conference. He's like, we we joke in practice, hope we don't need this situation. Well, it's come up on them every single time. Right. But I'm but I'm also not ready to be critical of of the coaching, for example. I'm not ready to be critical of the players. To me, it's a transition period, and we're seeing it right now. And one of the reasons why I'm not, other than the fact that, you know, seeing how these guys interact with each other, seeing how they are coached every single day in practice and seeing how they buy in and how they execute, how they are with each other. Um, that's, that's the big reason. But the other reason is this is, this is a really smart staff and you see examples of it, even in the most adverse situations, that goal line play, Troy Reader probably wasn't supposed to tell us this, but let it slip that that was a scouted play, which means they had John Walford. Stand at the goal line, didn't stand, obviously, he pretended to be Carson Wentz and moved around, but like right. run scout team, goal line, that exact play and all of its options and all of its iterations. And in particular, 
by the way, the part where Aaron Donald blows up the play in a legal but very intricate and interesting move that he sort of pulled against the Cowboys last Was it the Cowboys? No. Uh, Not the Cowboys. What was the one where he pulled the back out of the way last year? Um, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny yeah. I, I can picture the play. I just can't picture who the other team was. Yeah. Well, you guys get the point that, that yeah. play, he does basically the same thing. They prepared for the possibility that Carson Wentz would throw a goal line shovel pass. They prepared for that. They had poor John Walford do that as a scout team look to me. Right. And, and, and that was the call that Raheem Morris made on defense, seeing the, seeing the alignment that the Colts were in. That was the call Raheem Morris made on defense for his defense to get ready, and that was what he prepared them for. So to me, that is damn good coaching, right? It's just the tra- the parts where they're in transition. That's where we're in that gray space right now, and that's where this game in particular coming up, this will test their mettle, and it will test what they've learned so far and tell them where they still need to go. Yeah, great, great way to put it. And yeah, Tom, Tom Brady, like, I mean, you talk about and, and I think we we talked a little bit about um, last week about the, you, you, you can beat this this Rams defense by being perfect, you know, it's kind of predicated on, you know, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you give you and eventually you're going to make a mistake or eventually you're not going to be able to execute. Well, I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, you can go back di- different team, different system, different personnel or whatever. I mean, go back to the Super Bowl and, you know, they they stifled him, you know, play after play, series after series. And then eventually, boom, one series, they figured it out, hit Gronkowski a couple times, run the ball and all of a sudden you're in the end zone. So like it's not a guy who's going to get flustered. It's not a guy who's going to make mistakes. Like you said, he's not going to he's not going to be able to slip slack sacks and extend plays the way that that Carson Wentz did. So maybe you get a little bit of a an advantage there if you can get that same type of pressure that you did this week or this past week maybe a few of those turn into sacks rather than extended plays but you're, you're not going to be able to fool this guy you're not going to be able to get him uh you know flustered uh by by what's going on and he's he's seen it all i mean the guy's been in the league for 34 years or whatever it is like he's there's nothing he hasn't seen before and uh you're not going to fool him and, and you're not going to get him uh, you know frustrated frustrated out there so uh they're, they're gonna have to be tight they're they're going to have to uh, you know, not make any mistakes. They're going to have to these these sacks that are just getting out of their hands. They're going to have to uh, complete them. These you know coverages that are a half second short, half second late. They're they're going to have to be on them. Uh, and and it's it's you know it's going to have to be a, a tighter game uh, for this defense. But I, I don't look at any particular area and say like. Oh wow, the Rams need to be better here, and this is the key. Like if they if they just tighten this one thing up, I, I don't I don't necessarily think so. I, th- I think it's just kind of across the board, like you said. It's just there's there's improvements that that need to be made everywhere, and I don't I don't have any indication that they can't. It's it's just kind of they, they've got to do it. So this is another good. It, it's kind of funny how this sets up, Jordan. Like it's almost like week by week we said. I know you said that Chicago was a great first week opponent uh, for what they bring. And then we said last week how Indianapolis was a pretty good second week opponent because of what they can do. And I feel like Tampa is now a good third week opponent because it's kind of a progression, you know, testing uh, the, this Rams team uh, based on the level of opposition and what they can do. I feel like this is going to be kind of that first 
um, statement game. Another, another really bad term, by the way. But <laughs> but you, you know what I mean, just in terms of like this is this is going to be a game where you go, OK, Chicago, whatever, Indianapolis, whatever. But what they do against Tampa Bay, I think, is one that you're really going to look at and say, all right, this is what this is. This is who these Rams are. It's going to be, I think, the first one of those games. Yeah. And I think it's it's OK, like. To me, it's always been okay if this defense goes from being one across the board to five to eight. Probably don't want to go outside the top ten, but those types of things in my, like it, it, week over week are okay as long as your offense is scoring enough points, which got, came very close to not doing. Right. <laughs> by the way, but. Generally, we've seen proof and substantial proof and evidence uh, that this offense can sustain that type of outing where they're, you know, over 25 points a game and they hope to be over 30 points a game, obviously. So you you can you can see that. But but it's also on the other side. Like, I mean, I don't know that any team in the league, I think, the, I mean, obviously, I think the Chargers are probably playing really good defense right now. If you just look at, at scoring and you look at some of the things, the situationals in their games, like... But other, you know, I don't know. I don't know that any team is playing perfect offense or defense right now. I don't think any team is the iteration of itself that it wants to be down the stretch. So when we say these things, we also say them with some sort of measurement of, um, you know, what they, what everyone is now, they won't be later. I think we even remember, you know, Tampa Bay being kind of a disaster in the first part of the the year, and the Rams caught them at a great time, by yeah. the way, yeah. for that. Um, and then they went down the stretch and they just kicked the crap out of everybody. And so I think that um, you just don't know, but you, but what you want to look for are the clues of the teachers. And that was such a huge thing last year when the Rams got beat by Buffalo. And this is what I, I asked McVeigh about specifically today was the, are so, sort of those moments where you understand what your players can handle and you understand what more to put on their shoulders. And that was a big moment for the Rams defense. I think for the offense – won't even get into that because everything's different now anyway. Right. But for the defense specifically, and this is what I was asking about, is it showed Sean McVay, it showed Brandon Staley at the time what more this group could handle, what more could be asked of them, and where they needed to go moving forward. And I, and I don't think that you need that in a loss. I don't think you need to wait for a loss to have that moment. Yeah. Sometimes we think of losses as those catalysts that change so many things. But like I've said before, this team is very good at introducing its own catalysts. And so I, th- yeah. I think that that's the important thing right now because, you know, it's funny to like the casual listener. They're like, God, this team must have lost 10 in a row. Right. But no, I mean, this is a very good football team. Right. I think you see the elements of this defense that would allow it to become a great defense. But the parts of it that are concerning are the ones that I think are are so that usually the things that you see turn into major problems down the stretch. And I think that's why we pull at these threads is because you see where the teachable moments need to happen. And so now we're at that point, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, your foot's on one side and you're searching for that other step with your other foot right now. Yeah, because your your catalyst is the Super Bowl. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, that that is the driving 
Uh, and, and again, that might we we are not Rams fans, but and that that might sound arrogant to to some people listening. But really, that's the mindset. I mean that that is the standard that that you are holding yourself to if if you're the Rams, and and that's why when fans get upset, I think we said it last week. I I get it. I get it. This is a team that has high expectations. It's it's an excellent team. And you're right, Jordan. You don't want to wait for a loss to then be like, oh wow, okay, that's what that's what needs to change. Uh, the the best teams that you know you want to look at college football. I guarantee you, you know Alabama is is looking at themselves. You know they ended up beating Florida, but it's a really tight game. I'm, I'm guarantee you that Alabama is looking at that game. Nick Saban's looking at that game, going, hey guys, we got to get a lot better. It's Alabama. They're number one in the country. They just, you know, but they're always looking for ways to say, hey, we we didn't we won that game, but we didn't we weren't up to our expectations. And and I think that's what the what good teams, what good leaders uh, do. And and I'm sure that's what the Rams are doing now. And and it's what they what they should be doing. So, um, you know, that's that's what they're going to be facing. Uh, Jordan, can we can we talk a little about the offense in, in that way, too? Um, I, I want to say, I, I, first of all, I, I don't want to overlook Cooper Cup. I, we need to have a Cooper Cup conversation because like, honestly, if I'm, if I'm Cooper Cup's agent, I might tell him to hold out again. Like I might be like, you, you got to get a new deal, man. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't enough, uh, with, with all that guy's doing Jordan, I, I want to get your thoughts on Matthew Stafford, a couple other things, but here's the one thing that bothered me. Okay. And anybody like who's listened to this podcast or read some of my stories, before you elevated the beat, um, would know this, but here's my thing. Uniforms. Uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- yes. The, now two and one all time in the bone and blue, by the way. Um, the Rams in the, uh, sorry, I'm looking at my, they, they come out in the third quarter, start the third quarter, run heavy drive. They finish it with, with f- uh, four consecutive runs for a touchdown to take a 17-6 lead. Defense comes out, gets a three and out. Get the ball back at the Rams 39. Screen pass, swing pass that is dropped. Uh, incomplete pass that's thrown a little bit behind Cooper Cup. Indianapolis comes back, scores a touchdown to make it 17-14. Rams get the ball back. They run some weird fake reverse that Matthew Stafford ends up getting buried on. He almost throws an interception another incomplete pass. Six consecutive passes after they run the ball so well to take an 11-point lead in the third quarter. It really, really bothered me, Jordan. And like, I've, I know this time and time again with Sean McVay and like, I'm sure people would say, you know, hey, stupid, you're not an offensive play caller. You know, there's things you need to know. But it, it just bothered me because you talked about how well Daryl Henderson, and this was before Daryl got hurt, by the way, and you talked about how well he was running the ball and how well the offensive line was playing, by the way, something we probably haven't talked enough um, about. It, it just bothered me. And I thought that's what kind of got that offense out of sync. I, I Maybe I'm just off the wall there, but like I, it, it's it wasn't lost on me that that was the period where they started to, to get a little off track. Yeah, and I, you know, especially when you factor in, you know, the clock, and maybe they didn't ha- feel like they had a big enough lead to really work the clock, especially in a, a sort of a hostile environment. And sometimes you hear coaches, I've not really heard Sean talk about this, but sometimes you hear coaches talk about like the magic number they want to get to on offense in terms of scoring and all this stuff. I, I haven't really heard Sean get into that, but there's a lot of things that I haven't really heard <laughs> Sean McVay talk about. So secrets right. are secrets, right? But um, for me, that it was, it, it just, 
it felt at one point, God, I'm just full of these horrible metaphors today, Rich, but here comes another one. It's just, I can't help it. It's like the opening of my column where I made that reference to the exorcist. It's just going to come out. It's just coming out. So done. Um, so like I, I compared it to like when you give a teenager their first car, but you messed up because it's a stick shift. And then you ask him to go drive it up a hill. And it's just like start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And and all that. And it's not like yeah. the Rams are, are the opposite of that. I mean, look at some of the gorgeous things that they could put together. That opening drive. Hang oh that God. shit in the Louvre, man. Not in the <laughs> back, the front. Like that shit was gorgeous. Like a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup who had a line in the backfield. The offensive yeah. line, the way the offensive line played, the, the arm angles and the the design and the execution and like, oh my God, it was good. That was so yeah. good. Even drives later on, the it was a four-play touchdown drive um, for the Rams in, in sort of the crunch time-ish situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they are so capable of putting these things together. And so I think when you see the stalls for me, like you definitely see that parts of this are still a learning curve. But you also think like, this is where you'd wanna see them troubleshoot in real time, right? Because we talk about this, this is where it's it becomes really, really important to be able to do that and to rectify some of those things in real time. And for me, like my little, you know, like flare goes up at the back of my neck and I think, oh, or, you know, can they not run the ball that many times with Daryl Henderson? Like, are they worried about a pitch count with Daryl Henderson? Are they worried about a carry share? This was before he got hurt. Right. And I'm thinking like, oh, are they, are they worried about running it too many times in one game with him? Are they, does he have some sort of magic number? And so for me, that's where my mind goes in a situation like that. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but it's kind of where my mind goes on a situation like that. Cause you're also like, why aren't you, you know, let's, let's stick with what's working. Like, yeah. Get a manual. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that that's my thing. And like I'm I've I've always been on that probably to an, an ridiculous um extent. But man, they were just they were running the ball so well. And then they got back to it and it worked. Even yeah. with Sony Michelle in there. So it's like And it's you? all like a balance, right? Like for, it is. for me, one of the cool things and I think one of the, the neat things about this offense now. And I've talked about it before, but I think one of the really great things is they're able to mix more things up in terms of stuff they do under center versus stuff they do under, you know, out of the shotgun. Um, some of the things they're able to do um, with the play action. Some of the reasons it's important that you know the, you don't necessarily have to have the run be effective in order to get the play action going, which you did have to have in the past. Um, you can throw the ball all day long and probably have some good results. Um, but again, like it, when it stalls, it makes it look worse. It's not, you know, there are a couple yeah. things here and there, a pass isn't dropped or something, or, um, the ball is a thrown an inch one way or the other, or, um, just one call on one drive is a little bit different. So, um, it's hard to sort of nitpick the entire drive over and over on some of those three and outs, but to, at one point, I think between the third and fourth quarter, it was like three consecutive three and outs by the Rams offense. And then at one point the Colts went and scored eight points and you just can't have that. That just can't happen. It can't happen. Not for, especially not for uh, the Colts had a good game plan on offense in my opinion, but you, you're supposed to beat this team by 20. Yeah. 
and the Rams were on that track. It, yeah. it looked at one point like they like they would, uh, like they were in position to kind of pull away, and then it just like you said, kind of came off the rails. And we talked a lot about both sides of the ball, and there were issues on well, there were issues on special teams that oh cost them God. seven points too. So you know, across the board, you can look at it and say, uh, yeah, they they like game like you said Jordan that they they should have won by 20 but you look at it and say man they could have very easily lost this game if yeah. if a couple other things didn't didn't go their way one of those things being Cooper Cup by the way oh um, my god what a great day for Cooper Cup my goodness gracious look, you know Jordan like and and this is where I hesitate again because to say like we we're, we're not Rams fans but but there's there's certain things it's like watching Aaron Donald or I say like it is just I'm sorry like I I don't know how this might sound but it's a pleasure to watch Aaron Donald play football like I I'm going to be at, at the end of, end of his career I'm going to look back and say wow I'm really really glad that I was able to watch uh, Aaron Donald play football in Los Angeles in the same way that I can say I'm glad I get to see Mike Trout you know play fo- play baseball or you know things like that. Um, and I'm starting to feel that way about Cooper Cup. I mean, he's not at that level of an Aaron Donald where he's going to be considered uh, one of the best players at his position necessarily. But there's just so many things when I watch his game that I go, wow, that is just really good. And like, I'm kind of curious to get your your perspective on it, Jordan, because you've seen more NFL than I have. I've been in this little bubble in you know the NFC West, basically. You've been on the other side of the country. You've seen you know, lots of other divisions. I mean, am I, am I blowing too much smoke here? I mean, what do you, what do you think when, when you watch this guy? And I'm not even talking about the big plays, but just like some of the stuff that he does out there. To me, it's just, it's just super impressive. I think the technicality of it is what impresses me because it's so precise and intentional. For me, it's like, when I see an explosive play happen with Cooper Cup, the way that I sort of translate it into it's it's a little different than when you see a guy stretch the field like um just completely take the top off of a defense and i would even say it's it's even a little different than watching van jefferson get as open as he did on that air yards explosive to op- sort of open the rams season right because when cooper cup gets open that far open downfield you kind of just have this moment of like very true zen come over you. <laughs> Honestly, it's not like the normal swell where you hear, you feel it. You almost feel yourself inflating like a helium balloon, right? right. Where you're like, oh my God, the ball's in the air, you know? Right, right. Like you don't really feel that. You just kind of feel like, oh wow, the world turned today, you know? Right, like, yeah. <laughs> all of us are at one with each other and we're all connected to each other in some way. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, it just, it's one of those moments where you're just kind of like, yeah, you know what? That is a truth of life. Like, that is, that is something that's cool. And I think that, that it's just, it's just, it's just fun. It's just fun watching that stuff. I can imagine it's fun doing it. And I can imagine it's, it's really fun calling it up and watching it work. And I think that's one of the coolest things is. Um, you know, it, it's a very few people know what Cooper Cup really went through last year in terms of um, the the degloving, which, again, do not Google it. I know me saying <laughs> don't Google it makes you want to Google it. But please, I am begging you, do not Google it. Right. Um, you thought the tart metaphor, the wiggly custard was gross. Like you <laughs> you really don't want to Google degloving. Um, and and so going through that, that's really painful. Um, and, and, you know, birth of his, his second child and a pandemic and 
like and, and a lot of these guys going through similar things and i think that's one of the cool things about watching these pieces come together and i think what i think we we all want so earnestly just as human beings to see happen for the defense as well in this in a similar fashion is like understanding and recognizing the intentionality which with which this has been created and understanding and recognizing some of the methodology behind the way that these guys go about their business. It doesn't necessarily surprise you to see things like Jalen Ramsey getting the pick at the last, you know, the last right. minute. It doesn't surprise you to see Aaron Donald doing Aaron Donald things. At this point, it shouldn't really surprise you to see Cooper Cup get open like that. It shouldn't really surprise you to see Matthew Stafford throw the ball downfield or Robert Woods have such precision in the end zone. But it's it's almost like um, when things go wrong, and I kind of touched on this in my column, when things go wrong, you feel the weight of those expectations more than ever before mm-hmm. because you know how right it can go. Great way to say it. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely right. And um, gosh, I mean, eleven Cooper Cup, 11 targets, nine receptions, 163 yards, two touchdowns. And it's just like it, it is almost to the point where you you expect it now. Where it's kind of like, okay, it's a tight situation. Yeah, Cooper Cup's going to make a big catch. And, like, that's not supposed to happen. That's not the way this works. Um, but it just, you know, the, the ability that he has. And, I, look, I, Cooper Cup does what he does. And I just got done criticizing Sean McVay. But I also will say that Sean McVay does a great job of utilizing those Cooper Cup skills, too. And and knowing what Cooper Cup can do and, and you know, putting him in a certain formation or, or stacking him with somebody else or putting him in the backfield like he did on that play that you described. I mean, it's one thing to have talent. You, you also have to have a, a coach and a play caller who's able to use utilize that talent. And you also have to have a quarterback who can get you the ball. So uh, it's not just Cooper Cup. You, you have to give credit to, to Sean and to, and to Matthew Stafford, too, for, for making that stuff work. But wow, I just, I love to watch those replays, you know, where they, where they kind of isolate on, on Cooper and you just see, you know, what he's doing uh, coming off the line of scrimmage. And, and it's just like, my goodness, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if he has aspirations to be a coach one day or, you know, what, what his, what his thoughts are, but you can just see where somebody like that could be uh, a real benefit to, to those around him. And I sure, I'm sure he is uh, to the, to the guys in, in, in that uh, locker room. So uh, Jordan, uh, I want to I want to close with one thing about the offense, and and I just again this could be one of those where I'm off the wall, so I want to get your your thoughts. Can't on wait, it. can't wait. Yeah, to hear. great. Can't wait. To hear uh, this and one. and maybe share your thoughts on on Matthew Stafford too. But Stafford ends up you know 19 of 30, uh, 278, two touchdowns, uh, one interception. Um, the thing that I look at uh, the targets. Uh, if if you take away five of them went to Daryl Henderson on various you know dump offs or screens or whatever. So if you look at the twenty five that either went to a receiver or a tight end, twenty of them went to Cooper Cup or Robert Woods direction. Um, three to Van Jefferson, one of which was yikes, probably should have been caught on a big third down that that didn't end up in his hands, and only one in in Tyler Higby's direction. So. Any takeaways from that? I mean, is that, is that just the way that this game dictated it? Or is are they going to have to be a little more mindful of that um, going forward, you know, facing a Tampa Bay or, or something like that? I mean, did, did you have any, I, I know that's a little bit of an off the wall observation, but it was, is there anything there in, in terms of that? No, to me, not really. I think we saw in week one how much this ball can get spread around in this offense. 
I, I have no reason to believe that they want to get away from that at all. Um, there are, are also players who have not really been utilized. Deshaun Jackson hasn't really been utilized. Um, and he's he, it's not because of health, guys. Like, I watch this guy every day. He's practicing. So right. um, it's it's not it's not for any of those reasons. It's just he's not being utilized in the game. And, um, you know, I hesitate a little bit on Tutu Owl because I think he they still want to kind of develop him a little bit more. Um, although he should be getting more opportunities at uh, punt return, uh, allegedly, which we may see <laughs> in the future. Although, mm. you know. We'll see. But yes. um, but and then, you know, guys like who are who are developing, who I expect to be really big for the Rams down the stretch, like a Jacob Harris, who they're kind of stashing right now, which is very interesting to me. But, um, you know, I, I think you, you're going to see that moving forward. I think you're going to see some games where it's really one guy is basically uncoverable. Um, and so you keep feeding that guy, uh, which the slight irony of it is it sort of takes away from feeding the run game and feeding other guys on the roster and, you know, doing certain things that maybe you would expect it. But I think it's just going to be a, a shifting and evolving, moving thing. Um, now in, in week 12, if he's only passing the ball to Cooper cup, I think that's when we talk about them being a little too one dimensional, but I have no reason to believe that they'll, they'll be that way. I have no reason to believe that they will um, not have that sort of distribution that they want to have. Um, I think they've only sort of scratched the surface of, uh, what they're going to, you know, be able to do in terms of design and in terms of different looks that they're going to get and, and, and show. Um, hopefully they got the uh, double sweep uh, on third down <laughs> out of their system so that they will never, ever run it again, ever, for the love of God, never run that again. Um, especially with, oh my God, can I just say, this podcast has felt, I feel like we've been really negative. That was a really fun game, and the Rams are, you know, two and zero, and all of those things. That's and if you're still with us right now, I hope we didn't come off as too negative because we really do have just such a fun time with this and really enjoy it. Um, but if you aren't gonna give Jake Funk like one carry in a game, like a real carry, like okay, maybe you gave him two. You've been running the ball with Sony Michelle, and then you put Jake Funk in on a third and two. After Sony Michelle has been running it north to south with great right. effect, you're not freaking running the ball on that play. Right, right. Like, how much of a tell could you possibly give them? What a great point. Like, yeah. what? Like, I, I was like, I literally said aloud in the press box, Jake Funk's not getting the ball. Right. And it's no disrespect to Jake Funk. I think he's going to be really good for them, really great, ba- good back for them. Right. But he wasn't getting the ball on that play. In no scenario is he getting the ball on that play. What a great point. I had not, that had not even occurred to me, Jordan, but, you, but you're absolutely right. It just it, it, is like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. get it out of your system, man. Just get it out of there. Like, yeah. this is what this, this week was all about. Get the demons out. Shake them mm, out. That, I mean, leave, get that leave nasty them in custard there. out of here. <laughs> Yeah, you got to leave him in there as a decoy. You're right. You're absolutely right. There's no there's no scenario is Jake Funk getting his first NFL regular season carry in that situation. And like, if anybody saw him in there and and realized that, I'm sure they they knew that too. They I'm sure they thought, well, maybe they'll do play out. They certainly wouldn't do something like a double, uh, whatever you want to call that. Like, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they knew that it wasn't going to be a north-south run. So. Yeah, what that tells you, if you see that, that look, what that tells the defense, any de- – I mean, you could you could literally have me out there sitting in a chair. 
I've never played a snap of football in my entire life unless you count uh, four intramural flag football championships. Thank you. Wow. But like I've never played a snap of real of real football. And yeah. I'd sit there in a chair like freaking Leo DiCaprio in that meme and be like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they're not, that, that. they're not, they're going to go horizontal, not vertical. Like they're going to go, they're going to run something along the line of scrimmage because that dude is not getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, so that, that's my, that's my nitpick. I, we could get into special teams. You know what? We did request uh, Joe D. Camillus this week mm. um, among the coordinators. It is typical NFL protocol to, for media to talk to um, the offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, and uh, I sent in the request on behalf of our beat. We had all kind of agreed upon it, uh, sent in the request as well for Joe D. Camilla. So we should hear from him. And I, and I always like to hear from the people who are teaching and coaching um, necessarily before issuing a ton of criticism, but that was just sloppy, sloppy stuff. Sloppy yeah, stuff really on was. special teams. And we, we'll probably yeah. maybe get into it more next week after we've, We've heard from him, um, and I'll have some updates from that this week as well. But that just can't happen. I mean, no, no. I, I never even seen it. I think it like it, it, like they're supposed to do a shift. That's fine. It's a protector shift, yeah. and it the ball hits Nick Scott's leg and ricochets off, and then you're in a sudden change situation again. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just I, I that I've never seen that happen before. Like, I don't know. And again, that that's where it's great to to talk to the coach because he'll be able to tell you, like, okay, well, what what was supposed to happen there? Uh, was it you know did he not line up? Maybe he was uh, you know one step to the right when he should have been one step to the left. You know, was it was it the snap? Maybe the snap was off target. Maybe Nick Scott was exactly where he was supposed to be. I was and- hoping it was a fake. I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't. I, but it wasn't. I, it just was a bad play. Yeah, it just was a yeah. really bad play. So, yeah, there, there's some questions. Great timing to talk to him, by the way. I mean, you can maybe talk about the punt return. What's going on there? Right. I mean, let's uh, look, you don't want to Not dissect. kicking touchbacks to open a game. Johnny Hecker's first punt wasn't very good either. Um, so, you know, there's there's some issues here to to talk about. Um, so, yeah, be, be curious to see. Obviously, you know, we'll be back with people uh, after the Tampa Bay game. I, I want to hear more about those four intramural championships, too. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so we might have to get into that uh, one day. But, uh, yeah, Jordan, great, really looking forward to this week. Interesting game. You know, Vegas opened it up with Rams as two-and-a-half-point favorites, which I was a little surprised by that's when I saw that on Sunday night. However, it's gone back. Depending on where you uh, – there's, there's various uh, sports books casinos listed it's it's now basically a, a, a pick'em game it's an even even game uh with a with a couple of uh of books going one point in either direction so uh the the, the early money definitely went on tampa bay side so it'll be curious to see how that evolves during the week but uh interesting game either way the rams will be wearing their bone tops by the way uh we'll we'll have to get jordan broke the news uh, of the uh, uniform combination last week, so I'll be eagerly awaiting to see whether they wear the uh, the the bone uh, pants or the blue pants. I'm going to say bone pants this week. I'm going to go out and make that bold prediction and say it that it seems uh, like it. Right? It's like last yeah. throw. The last throws of summer are sure slipping, are slipping through our fingers. And yeah. Yeah. The sun will be just arcing through its apex in the sky at kickoff right. and settling on the other side as the hues from the ocean flow through SoFi Stadium and reflect off the walls. Right. So what better uniform right. choice to pick than right. 
bone tops and bone pants. Right. And the Rams aren't afraid to go against that old saying that you don't wear bone after Labor Day. So <laughs> I, they're, they're not afraid to, to, to challenge that norm. Introduce catalysts. Yes, exactly. So Jordan, can't wait for it. You will obviously have a, a great week of coverage at The Athletic uh, on the app, on the website. For uh, those who aren't already subscribed, look, you got to do it. You're missing out. You're missing out on Jordan's great coverage. And of course, if you do so through the uh, 11 personnel page, theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, you get Jordan's favorite thing in the world, which is what? A discount. You get a great discount. I want you guys to know that I shouted that so far into my computer screen that Rich was literally thrown backwards into his chair. Yes. Yes. It's my favorite thing in the world, a great discount. You know, we are running a special still through October 20th, I believe now, through any of our pages on theathletic.com. But if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to participate in this long-running inside joke and wonderful, wonderful thing that we have going through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you can subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 personnel podcast and you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a sweet, sweet discount. Um, you guys, we, uh, man, we had a lot of fun with this one, didn't we? we? It was a little bit off the rails, but that game was too. So we kind of had to be off the rails with it, right? Um, you guys, this is shaping up to be a really exciting season, really fun season. So we appreciate you sticking with us throughout. Um, we will be back weekly, as you know, here on the 11 personnel podcast. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. For all of your Rams takes and uniform takes, less uniform takes from me over at Jordan Rodriguez, but I sure encourage Rich when he has them. And I support you, Rich, in everything that you do in terms of those uniform takes. I know that is a very special thing for you. So you guys, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We read everything you write to us. We love, 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 love when you guys share our inside jokes. Tell us we're idiots. Uh, Tell us you like us. Uh, somewhere in between. We appreciate it all and uh, we sure appreciate you guys sticking with us and we'll catch you next week.